You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Inside Healthcare. Let's get right into it. Joining us today is Angela Ogden. She's a teacher and single mother of one biological child and two adopted teenagers. Christine and Ariel are their names and both have special needs. They're all patients at Pediatric and Adolescent Health Partners in Midlothian, Virginia. That's right outside of Richmond. Now, why Angela? Well, her kids are patients at Pediatric and Adolescent Health Partners, and Pediatric and Adolescent Health Partners is an NCQA-recognized PCMH. So she's interesting because she gives us a bit of the patient perspective from one of our PCMHs. Your story's very interesting. Tell me about what brought you here to Pediatric and Adolescent Health Partners. So I worked at a place called Grafton Group Homes eons ago and had a one of the children that I worked with ended up being a foster child because her social worker asked me if I would be willing to consider being a foster parent. So that's when I started doing foster care. Um, I had her for two and a half years and then um, she ended up going into an adult group home and then when my biological daughter was three I went through the training at United Methodist Family Services to do foster care and I had a couple of kids before the girls but then I got them when they were five they had just turned five and they're 16 now so I guess 11 years ago and fostered them for three years and then decided that it would be in their best interest to adopt them. We've been doing it day by day since since then. So how has your experience here been different from previous pediatricians? Well, actually, when I had my first foster daughter, her pediatrician was Harry Gawanter, and he was absolutely fabulous. And so when the pediatrician's office that the foster care organization used I just, I wasn't satisfied with the care, with their level of need. I knew we needed somebody that would understand and be able to help with kids with special needs. And so I contacted the the office that Harry Gawanter was through. He was no longer taking patients, but Dr. Kraft was. And so we switched to Pediatric Adolescent Healthcare Partners with Dr. Kraft, and um, now they're seeing Dr. Seliscar, and she's been wonderful as well in terms of support above and beyond what a normal pediatrician I, typically offers. So how has your experience here been different from previous pediatricians? When we saw Dr. Kraft, they did have kind of an umbrella of services but I, there were kind of limited, I guess, um, resources. And I think I was probably was talking to Dr. Seliscar about a lot of other issues that you run into as a, as a parent with kids with a high level of need. And she had me contact Dr. Keel to see if I could get some support in those other services as a full-time special education teacher who brings her work home with her. And I've got a biological daughter who has done every sport out there. And I keep them extremely active 
you know, I, I don't have the time to sit at home and I don't, I don't want to spend my time having to research the next, you know, support that we need, the next resource. And so having an opportunity to have somebody help with that is a tremendous, makes a tremendous difference. What type of resources are we talking about that perhaps you didn't know existed or didn't have time to look into that this practice was able to help with? Everything from support with um, the, the school school situations, it, it, there are always challenges. Even at, even at the best schools, there are challenges and, and being able to advocate for them is difficult. I, I do a, a good job, um, but sometimes they need to hear from somebody other than the parent that, that things need to, to be certain way or to look at it from the perspective of the interest of the, of the girls, to finding specialists for medical services, to speech outside of what they get at the school, everything, financial support in terms of the funding that the girls should be getting. All that stuff is a challenge and it's all different directions. So trying to find each piece to put together is, you know, each one is a new task and it's a, it's a big task. So wait now, did you start out as a foster parent then adopted the girls or did you know in the beginning you were going to adopt them? No, I originally hadn't planned on adopting them. I'm a single parent and a full-time, you know, teacher and the salary is not that high. And, you know, having been in special education and been in, in um, working at a place like Grafton and all of that, I knew that the level of support that they would need would be high. Um, and I really was hoping a two-parent family with kind of the financial means to tackle all these tasks um, would, would have been in their best interest, but that's not who they, the, the county was choosing. And I, my daughter and I spent endless nights working with the girls, an hour sitting at the dinner table to work on eating skills, not shoveling your food so you're gagging. And I just couldn't see the commitment we had put into the girls be wasted because they were being placed in a home that didn't have the adequate means to give them the support and the social interaction. The family would not have provided the social piece that I knew was critical for the girls. They do Girl Scouts, they do skating on Saturday morning, they're in the advanced class now, which I never thought would happen. They can swim every stroke and swam on their varsity swim team. They ran cross country. Ariel just ran a 735 mile um, during winter track, you know. So those social pieces have been great for them in terms of the, of the social, but also in them doing things. We ran a half marathon together last, not this past November, but the um, November before that, the four of us all ran the half marathon together and we were telling her to slow down. Wow. So, yes. you know, I, I like to, I like to stretch them for themselves and also so other people can see that just because somebody has a special need doesn't mean that they're, they don't have capabilities that other people might not have. Now, here's the tough thing about autism patients. They come with so many questions, so many mysteries, and so many things you must live with that don't have answers. 
So this kind of care coordination is just one less thing to worry about. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, that it is absolutely overwhelming just to be the parent. And, and anybody that has children knows that being a parent of a typically developing child is at times an overwhelming task. Having to deal with the difficulties that we deal with every single day is, you know, you feel like you're putting out fires. And so being able to get to that point where you're actually looking for the answers, you know, seems to be very back burner. And so, yeah, having, having support in finding those resources, being able to go to somebody and vent and just say, oh my gosh, you know, and think through and, okay, well, what might help with this? And then having the support and trying to, to research the answers is, makes a huge difference in our lives. All right, Angela Ogden, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Inside Healthcare. We're not finished with Midlothian, Virginia. In a future edition of Inside Healthcare, we'll talk to Dr. Abernathy. He leads this practice, and he'll talk about their commitment to patient-centered care. See you next time, no doubt. 